Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 124, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host, producer Eric Fisher, the Big E. Joining me this week, the only member joining us this week, member of the Highway 22 crew, Sean Klosterman. Sean, how are you doing this week, buddy? Doing good. How are you? Fantastic. Lots to talk about today as the world of sports gets super interesting. Uh, we are just a couple days away from September call-ups and actual playoff chase baseball. Uh, Packers made their roster cuts for the week or for the year uh, at the 53-man roster. And college football gets back underway this weekend for the Wisconsin Badgers. So plenty to talk about as we go through the episode. Before we do that, though, we've got to talk about our friends over. Let's start with Rage and Pro Wrestling. RPW Heat Wave 3 took place Saturday afternoon slash evening. And we got to the results here from RPW Heat Wave 3. Brock Hall defeated Ethan Matthews in the opening match, it looks like. Ragnar and Johnny CK defeat Sam Elijahman and Preston Palmer. TW3 wins back the RPW Cruiserweight Championship in a triple threat match against Damian Chambers and Garrison Creed. Jaden Mercer defeats Adam Grace. Shazza McKenzie and Gary J defeated Kenzie James and Percy Drew in the first ever intergender RPW match. Joey Avalon defeats Ezio Orlandi. Uh, the tag team of Natural Violence defeats Heroes of Our Time to win the tag team RPW Tag Team Championships. Heather Reckless defeated Kayla Cassidy to retain her RPW Women's Championship. And RPW number one contenders match for the heavyweight championship. Davey Vega defeats Joss Seed to become the number one contender for the RPW heavyweight championship. Also in RPW news, got to talk about uh, just a quick couple of announcements, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, Tessa Blanchard, who had been scheduled for the November 4th show, I believe, will no longer be able to attend. She has an academic obligation. So her appearance has been pushed to February 10th which I believe would be RPW Extravaganza. Um, yeah, that's about right. So that will be on 210, so her appearance getting moved just a couple months. Um, also, the Blockbuster main event, so for that night to replace Tessa Blanchard, it'll be AEW's Kiara Hogan, who is the original slated opin- er, opponent of Tessa Blanchard, taking on AEW's Diamante. So... Plenty of big-name talent coming through. That'll be Saturday, November 4th at the Big Apple in Manitowoc. Um, also, just kind of getting caught up on another post here I saw by them, but also want to talk about uh, November 3rd, former WWE superstar Hornswoggle taking on Preston Palmer at RPW Homecoming 1 in Wapaka. Tickets available for both. Be sure to check them out, either RagingProWrestling.com or... Drew looks sharp in the Fox River Mall. Also got to talk about our friends over at Ray's Energy, repsports.com, code root 4, R-O-O-T, number 4, gets you 15% off of any order. Use that promo code, check out the energy products, be sure to check them out, 15% off any order with code root 4. And that brings us into what we had rooted for in the world of sports, but that is brought to you by Fanatics, over 300-plus powered stores, including... The NFL, which officially kicks off eight days from now, Sean. Yeah. Nine days, technically, but eight as we record when this releases tomorrow on Wednesday. Kickoff between the 
reigning, defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, and the Detroit Lions of all teams will be a week from Thursday. Super Bowl matchup. Right. <laughs> no? You don't think I, so? I'm going to go on a bold limb and say I don't think so, but I, I guess it's technically possible. Like, it's not impossible. I doubt it. It's but a lot more possible this year than it has been for a lot of years. I don't disagree with you there. I will give you that. So, so, so you're not taking the. So you're thinking the Chiefs aren't going to make it? Is that what you're thinking? Right, right, right. That's what I'm thinking too. Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Sean. I don't, I don't know if either team is going to make it, but. That AFC is stacked. I have no idea in the NFC. The NFC is a toss-up. The AFC is stacked. So. Anyway. Uh, so Like Super Bowl predictions and predictions <laughs> next week. Yeah, we can do that next week. Uh, in the meantime, Sean, just looking at what we had rooted for in the last week. I'll start this one off. Usually I'll let everybody else go first. But uh, just want to talk about our time at the Wisconsin Timberwolves game on Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening. Had a lot of fun, even though we didn't really watch much of the game. Um, As you can see, if you go to our Facebook page, our Instagram page, or our TikTok page, uh, you can see what Sean and I were up to getting pretty much anybody who would want to participate in our Root for Wisconsin Fantasy Football League draft video. Uh, Had a blast doing it. I love the fact that it came down to Secretary Shauna with the mascots and Mm -hmm. bang picking... Uh, picking actually Tyson's name to give Shauna the number one pick. Uh, yep. So great time. Uh, got to throw out the first pitch once again. This one not as good as my first one. The knuckleball did not knuckle as much. It skipped a little bit. So is what it is. But happens, you know. Is, does she have anxiety about getting the first pitch? First pick? No, I think. And obviously, we have a we have a little bit of. A couple days here. I think we're doing it Thursday, so we got two days to really figure it out. But it sounds like she's she's got one of two picks, which is pretty much the standard in phase football this year. Um, I believe I know who she's going to pick, but obviously there's still some time. Um, so that is my route for that, and just kind of combining that with uh, getting to spend Saturday night down in Milwaukee for. Uh, Tom, Shauna's dad, Tom's birthday. Uh, we got, we went to the Brewer game, spent some time. We went to Sobelman's, which is uh, known for their huge Bloody Marys. I'm not really a Bloody Mary guy, but I pounded one down on on Saturday. When you go to Sobelman's, you gotta. I mean, they've got, like I said, they've got all the fixings on them. Like, um, the Bloody Mary itself was, I, like I said, I'm not a fan. I, I don't, I don't like vodka whatsoever. That's very well documented. It's because you're a baby. Right. Um, and, yeah, just not not a tomato juice guy, really, either. But the one that I got, so at Sobelman's, they've got, like, the, like I said, they're giant. They've got all sorts of um, garnish, if you will. Uh, mine came with, let's see, there was a shrimp, an olive, um, a cheese and little mini sausage, um, a pickle and a cheeseburger slider. Nice. So that was fantastic. And then the Brewers uh, got to 
watch part of this Brewers run that they've been on, and nine straight for the Milwaukee Brewers. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the episode, but uh, we were there for win number seven of this current hot streak, and the Brewers honored Ben Sheets by putting him in their walk of fame. And actually, so where we sat was only a couple sections away. Uh, as we were leaving, his security team and the Brewers security team was walking him out. Didn't get to stop and get a picture because he was mid-conversation. They were trying to kind of hustle him out of the club area. But, yeah, it was probably five feet away from him, so that was pretty cool. Nice. So that's my root for uh, what I had root for in the last week. Uh, Sean, what do you got for us? Well, I'm just going to piggyback on your your thing about the Timber Rattlers. And just that was just another cool experience there. First time I was on the field, got to go on the field because you were throwing out the first pitch, which good friend would have been like, oh, you can throw out the first pitch. That's uh, not how that works, Sean. They, they know. How do they know? Because I'm a Timber Rattlers 10 member. She didn't check your ID. She didn't have to. They know. They don't know. They know, Sean. They know. The only guy that would have known was the PA guy. Well, yeah, but he's the one that has to announce it. He'd have been, like, throwing the first pitch of the game. Timber Rattlers 10 member Eric. No, that's that's not Eric. <laughs> what the hell's going on? And then it would have been a whole thing, Sean. You would have caused a whole, a whole rigmarole. That would have been worth it. That would have been worth it. <laughs> You could have just grabbed a ball. I mean, they would. They didn't really. I think they could. They would have let you. Yeah, because they had what four people that didn't even show up, something like that. Yeah. And so. then, what? Yeah, that's about it. That's about all I got. And then run around. Uh, credit to you, by the way. Great camera work. Sure. It looked. It, it was good enough. <laughs> <laughs> it it did the job. Right. So, yeah, that was that was a good time uh, Thursday night. And thanks to that, might be the last Timber Rattler game of the year um, for myself. I believe they have one more homestand in a week or so. Yep. Um, see if we get there or not. But, Pretty Dino night or something like that. They yeah, were. I believe that'll be Friday the 8th. I know that they've got... Uh, Uper Night is in there as well, where they're going to do, or no, Brat, Brat Night, Brattoberfest or whatever. Uh, the Wisconsin Brats and the Tim Dillard Bobblehead on Saturday the 9th. And then I believe they'll have their fan appreciation and final home game on December, or on October 10th, or fuck, September 10th. Wild. <laughs> the, this, the season's almost wrapped up here for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, but... Anyway, um, so that is our group four with positives. Do come the negatives, though, Sean. we got to go to our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. And don't have a sponsor for that one, but we are open for business. So any businesses or business owners are listening, if you want to get in on the Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week, or maybe we change the name of it if you want to, if you have a different sponsorship name for it, by all means, let us know. But in the meantime, Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week, I'll let you go first in this one, Sean. You got anything for us? Um, I'm going to go Richard Sherman. I don't know if you've seen this clip. I have not. I'm I'm very curious where going. So he was on Undisputed. I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but he was with Skip Bayless, Keyshawn Johnson, and Michael Irvin. Okay. And he said that 
cornerback was the toughest position to play in football in front of two wide receivers. And the he just got blown up by, I think I sent it to you on TikTok, if I remember right. You might have. I have not checked my messages today. But, yeah, uh, Keyshawn Johnson put it perfect that everybody who starts out playing wide receiver and can't make it goes and plays corner. <laughs> and he, he that pretty much put Richard Sherman in his place, and I kind of I laughed to myself at that. I do got to give Richard Sherman this in the sense that I am sure with how the NFL has changed all the rules and um, really has adapted the NFL and the, the flow of the game, I'm sure it's a hell of a lot harder to play defensive back now than it ever really has been. Right. Um, not that that's the hardest. I, I still I would probably say the quarterback's the hardest job. Right. But... Because that's that's literally, I mean, aside from a you know like a trick play, that's you're you're literally controlling the whole flow of the ball game at any given right. point. Um, but that's just me. No, I so, totally agree with you on that. But I I do give Richard Sherman, like I said, I'll give him a little bit of of credit that I do think it is a tougher job than it ever has been now. I just I just thought it was nuggy worthy that he said it in front of two wide receivers. Oh for sure. And they both they both got on him and they were about <laughs> to walk off walk off set and it was kinda it was just kinda funny. Uh bunch of, wide receivers are divas and I can say that I ran to that on the episode this week. Wide receivers are divas. Right. Right. My nookie is gonna go to Actually, I had I kind of had two of them. Um, first, the whole Jonathan Taylor situation, where they kind of, in a way, the Colts kind of called his bluff, but they gave him permission to seek trade before end of cut day. Um, they don't end up getting a trade done, and then they kept him on the pup list. So I don't know if I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe his injury is. Significant enough to warrant being on the pup list for four games, but at the same time, it just seems kind of off to me that we're starting this whole thing because he wanted a new contract, just like all the other running backs in the league have, and this is how they they go about it. So uh, that was my first one, but then the second one goes to the world of baseball right now, and that being specifically the Atlanta security team. Um, and any fans who run on the field, I, I, I never understand it. It is a no-win situation. I think in the history of fans running on the field, maybe one or two of them have ever gotten away. Right. And there's, there's no end game to it. They have, I mean, stadiums have such advanced technology and all that stuff that it just it doesn't it doesn't compute in my head as to the end goal to it i mean you're never gonna be able to go back you're going like you're getting kicked out you might get arrested i mean they don't always arrest the person like they detain them and then they do a trespassing thing it's not like a serious conviction but right there there's no end game to it and this atlanta one started off even worse because uh, Ronald Acuna ended up getting tackled 
because did you see the video of this? No, I didn't. Um, around the Cunha, so two fans end up running on the field. First one goes, runs right to Acuna, and like gives him a hug, and then looked like he was going to try to take a selfie with him. First security guard comes in and try like gets him high. The second one comes in, tries to get him low, and they're still on him. Well, then a second fan runs up and is also like trying to get up in Acuna's business. And then the third security guard comes in and ends up kind of tackling Acuna. Like they get the two guys in the ground finally, but Acuna goes down too. Imagine if he gets hurt. Well, right. But I, like I said, I just, it's a no end. It, there's no winner. <clears throat> right. I mean, I guess maybe you get your, your cool picture and you get to be stupid, but I, I literally, I don't, I can't comprehend it in my brain whatsoever. No, I, I've never understood it. I was at, do you remember the Packer game when the fan ran on the field for like a kickoff? And one of our linebackers. It was Brad Jones. I remember this very, I know exactly what you're yeah, talking about. I was at this game. I remember. I remember it. It was. It was. It was just hilarious. The only time that I've ever seen it really be quote unquote successful, where I thought it was, it was funny just in the sense like because usually what happens is those guys, either the players, like, like in your case, the one that you saw, Brad Jones, like picked him up and like pile drived him almost and like, like power bombed him into the ground. That was really funny to see. But the only one that I've ever really considered funny and enjoyable um, was, God, this is probably five, six years ago now. I was at a Grimmie Blizzard game with uh, one of my roommates, John, from college, and one of our other friends, Brandon. We went to the Blizzard game. We were sitting, like, front row in the corner of the end zone, and these two guys behind us were hammered drunk, just, like, obnoxiously, and they were, I mean, the Blizzard, I don't think it was a close game or anything like that. It was just kind of, you know, it was, it was kind of a blowout. And these guys decide that they're going to do a 40 or 50 yard dash. So they, I, I believe the other, I don't even remember who the Blizzard were playing, but the other team scores and they're doing like their, before they do like their quote unquote media timeout. Mm-hmm. Um, like the teams are kind of huddled by the sidelines or whatever for before the kickoff. And these get, I think it was two or three of them. I think it, I want to say it was two. They jump the barrier, go onto the field, get in a three point stance on the goal line, sprint the 50 yards plus whatever it is, the corner of the, like the end zone, which I think I want to say is like seven or eight in arena football. Um, mm-hmm. So they do like a 58 yard sprint, hop the other fence, and I'm assuming they went out the back door because I don't think they ever got caught. Hmm. I think they went out the back door of the rush through the, like the loading dock, but that's like the only one I can think of that was kind of funny. And like, I think everyone was so dumbfounded because by the time they were almost off the field is when people started to realize like, Hey, there's two idiots or three idiots that are not part of the in-game entertainment that just took off across the field. Right. Um, but yeah, so that that's like I said, it's a it seems like a zero sum, no win situation. I don't 100%. get it. Hundred percent. 
So that's that was my biggest noogie. Uh, the Jonathan Taylor thing with that happening today, just like I said, it seemed. I don't know. It's just this whole culmination of of what the running back position is, and honestly, I think it's kind of shitty on the Colts. Not not to I like I said, if he's actually hurt, he's actually hurt. Whatever. But if it's in the case where he isn't, and this is like a like they called his bluff or whatever, I do think it's kind of shitty on the end of the Colts. In the sense that that's a lot of money that both fans spend and gambling and fantasy football that all are on kind of up in for grabs right now because of this negotiation thing. The Colts negotiating for a first-round pick, but they don't want to pay the guy the money that he's probably earned right? as one of the best running backs in all of baseball or football. I'm sorry, I got the Brewer game on. I got distracted. Um, but for one of the best running backs in all of football, you don't want to pay him, but you want a King's ransom. You want a first round pick for the guy, or high, you know, maybe probably, maybe two twos. Right. So you're really you're holding him not hostage, but you're kind of holding him hostage. Right. Exactly. And you're costing, like I said, you're costing a lot of money, a lot of different places. For different, you know, whatever. But that's just also me kind of complaining a little bit because they drafted him in our face football league draft the other night. Not not early. I got him as a steal, so it wasn't, like, a huge deal. But still kind of annoying. Yeah, that's why you're complaining, I know. Well, and he's a Badger. He's a former Badger. I, I root for our guys. Sure. It doesn't help. I'll be, I'll be up front. It doesn't help that I drafted him the other night. I would have loved to have him on Miami. He would have friggin' been like the feature back. They would have ran him, and you know, depending on how Tua, how many linebackers he can see at any given time with his concussions. But anyway, um, so that is our Tatter Hero Nuggies of the Week. Uh, really, you know, I know we said this last week. Not really a, a good. I didn't really think I saw a, a good. Um, Wisconsin Web Story of the Week. I did have this one saved. Uh, this one, I think we actually kind of had talked about this a little bit. There was a Wisconsin woman, Milwaukee woman, celebrating her 106th birthday uh, yeah. last week. Last and I believe this was actually after we recorded. So this was a different person because I think we actually had two. We had a 107 year old person in Green Bay on Tuesday, and now 106 in Milwaukee. And you know, of course, when when somebody gets around that time, it's a big it is a big deal. I don't want to downplay this, but they bring the news in. They ask them like, "What's your secret to success? What's your secret to a long life, or whatever?" And this person said that her she's staying around, and she, I mean, for what it's worth, it looks like she's in pretty good health. From the pictures in the store here, coming from CBS fifty eight Milwaukee, uh, Seferina Papia Peterson. Goes by her name by the name Sarah. Turned 106. Um, she had retired. She's retired, Sean, in 1977 from American Motors. Um, she, her parents and her immigrated from Sicily, and she said that the key to living a long life has been her love for her family and her dog Happy. She's staying alive for her dog. 
Um, also, in her for her birthday, they went to Potawatomi Casino in Milwaukee. She won a big and hit the jackpot for more than a thousand dollars on her hundred and sixth birthday. Nice. Uh, does not say what she was playing. It appears to be a slot machine. Um, not a very good picture of it, but it looks like she was playing slots and uh, she won a thousand dollar jackpot. It looks like on the penny slots. Not really. 100- take pictures in front of the slot machines so well the casino posted it oh okay but a uh, hundred thousand dollars on her 106th birthday so happy belated birthday to sarah peterson seferina or seraphina whatever sarah we're gonna go with sarah which she calls herself um in milwaukee nice. so that's our wisconsin web story of the week uh no trivia this week because there's only the two of us I did I did come across and we can do a kind of a mini quick mini draft here, Sean. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Um I know this I, I have two, so we can do one of two. I'll give you the option as we kind of spitball this and do this live. Option one, I don't know if you remember this, but a few probably a few months ago at this point, we went through the best players in any sport to where any given number. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I believe in that episode we did zero through fifteen. Yeah, something like that. So we could we could go back to that if you want. Otherwise, um, the other one I had saw based on a TikTok trend, the best we can do the best three video game soundtracks or video game songs, like sports oh, okay. video game songs. So if you want to do three, if you want to do five of those. I'm more than welcome to do that as well. Or if you want to skip it and just do it more more in person, that's up to you too. I think it'll just be easier to do in person. All right, all right. I just want to just want to put it out there that these are things that that we, <laughs> we probably could have talked about before the show, but I just came across it now. Right. So. Yeah. Now you got me thinking. I know. I I came across. I'll I'll give you a spoiler for mine. Um. I came across a TikTok talking about some of the best ones and people pointing to like WWE versus Raw versus SmackDown games and like the NHL games. I will never forget the ATV Quad Fury or Quad Power for GameCube. Yep. But I know it was for PS2 as well. Yep. Um, but that soundtrack was incredible. Same with like Need for Speed Most Wanted. That was always a good one. Yeah, that was all of those. All the Need for Speed games, like Most Wanted, Underground, Underground Two, Prime Need for Speed Air. Those games suck now, by the way. Mm-hmm. I haven't played one in a little while now, but they are not good. Yeah, they're not the same. You can't even customize the cars anymore. Well, that's no fun. Right. Um. Oh, Shauna, she must, I don't know if she's listening in the other room. She's getting, doing school stuff right now. But she uh, she brought our attention to another Wisconsin web story of the week. And this, I can't believe I forgot about this one because this was, this was a couple of days ago. But there is a bar in Milwaukee, Sean, that is going to be paying off fans' bar tabs during NFL games when the Jets lose. I did see this. You did see this? Mm-hmm. I want to know your thoughts on this. Because I have I have two thoughts. But I'll let you go first. 
I don't. He's just he's just trying to get people in the bar. I mean, that that's that's about that's about it. I think I don't think he's really he really can't lose money. No, I mean, the odds are. I mean, calling it what it is, the Jets are probably going to at worst be eight nine or nine and eight. Right. So, and that's like on the low end, the very conservative end. Um. So with that logic, I mean, they're probably not going to have to pay that out a whole lot. Right. Or at least more they won't as much. But I I gotta say, I don't wanna I don't wanna give this away, but it's very common. I guess it's not like a huge thing. Um there is a way to come out ahead no matter what happens in those games. So if you're in Milwaukee. Milwaukee has one of the few casinos in Wisconsin that does allow sports gambling. You could pay for your bar tab essentially one way or the other. You go to the casino, you put a bet down on the Jets' money line, whether they're favored or an underdog. You're either winning the bet or your bar tab is free. Jack's Pub in Milwaukee. Of course you would come up with this. I, I can't take soul credit. I saw it on Twitter. I don't remember who tweeted it, but I did see this on Twitter. But that is an excellent idea. Right. Now, that, that is a lot of running to do. I will say, on any given any given Sunday, that is a lot of places to be all at once. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's not, a, it's not a bad idea. No, not a bad idea at all. So that is our other Wisconsin Web Story of the Week, that coming from Shauna. Either listening in or just good timing, one of the two. Right. All right. So no draft this week. We did. We did talk about it um, just briefly, but no draft this week. Also, for what it's worth, Madden came out, I believe, two weeks ago now. This Madden is not bad by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it's 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 good. Um, first of all, I played a couple online games the other day. These people who like play Madden online don't fuck around. <laughs> Jesus, I I was so out of my element. Like I am, I think in my online games I'm one in three. I played four and I won one because the guy rage quit within like the first quarter. Everything else has not been pretty. No, no, this oh, and like yesterday I was playing one and I got down early. I think I was down like fourteen nothing. Then I threw a pick and. I wanted the ball back because playing defense, like, like it is a little hard on this game, like to the design. Obviously it's designed so that the player on offense has an easier time. Right. It's almost impossible for the corners, but, um, so I did back off a few, but just, I got down to 21, nothing quick. Then I threw a pick six. And like I said, I just, I hit circle and I let you know got my guys away so he could return it, but it got ugly quick shot. I'm not gonna tell you the final score. I, it was, it was well, not I got, good. I gotta know the final score now. I I I am not at liberty to provide that. Fifties. <laughs> More than that. <laughs> it was not good. Did you at least score? I didn't. I tried my best. I. <laughs> 
And and like they factor it. So they do this like the new games do this momentum thing. And the momentum meter or whatever, like they make it so like if you get behind like again, like I was down twenty one nothing, like before I knew it. Like I just I got done with work and Shauna had her back to school night, so she was at school with, you know, the kids, meet the teacher and all that. I'm like, I'll fire this up, I'll play a little bit. I got down twenty one nothing before I even knew it, like what happened. Like the guy got the kickoff. Marched down the field, scored. I got the ball back. I drove down the field, like I got to like the twenty, and then I'm not gonna accuse the guy of cheating. I I, I really don't know what happened. That was marching down the field, like easy. He hit pause. You get one pause a game on online mode, and from then on, I could not run a play like that worked. It was so, like, anytime I, because I was running the ball, like, gangbusters. And then, after that, like, I I couldn't, I'd get negative yard. I'd get, like, get the handoff, and he, dude's in my backfield. Hmm. And he was playing with the Browns, so it's not like it was, like, a, you know, I mean, Miles Garrett plays from that. He wasn't even playing as Miles Garrett, so, I, I don't know. I'm not going to accuse that, but I'm just saying, like, so I go down, I get the ball stripped for me. So then he goes down, I think he scores, and like I got him like third and 12 or whatever, and he throws some bullshit out route to Amari Cooper. And they they play, they make defense in these online modes because they have to kind of factor in, like everyone's got a little bit different internet connection. Mm-hmm. So they factor in, like, the, you can literally, like, almost like, like the old school, uh, Tech Mobile, like the guy just, you know, you like run side to side and the guys don't tackle because they have to kind of account for lag with internet connections or whatever. I don't know. It was whatever. But so he goes and scores and then throw the pick six. Well, then after that point with this whole momentum thing, like it shifts so much and my guys start running wrong routes and they don't like they it's this whole thing. Like it makes it it. It makes it hard to play in a good way. Like, if you're winning, it's awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it makes it hard to play as you're going along. It, it keeps, like, you your guy rattled. Like, I think that was actually what one of the things was starting quarterback or offensive offense, your team gets rattled or whatever. And, like, the screen gets shaky. It's weird. It's it's really cool. It's a cool feature, but not fun to be on the opposite end of. Um, <laughs> but I say all this. I saw a, a, a post last week, and I don't know the last Madden that you've played, Sean, but Madden has been on a serious decline since I'd probably say Madden 11, Madden 12. I believe that, 100%. I think Madden 11, I think what I said was the, the last great Madden, the one with Drew Brees on the cover. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because when they switched it to this Peyton Hillis, when he was the cover athlete, which in and of itself was hilarious, um... Yeah. When he took over as the cover athlete, things switched so drastically with how they made the game and the features. It's still, I haven't played, there's a new, they've kind of brought back Superstar mode, so I haven't played it yet. Um, But you can't tell me that in the year of our Lord, 2023, that they could have features and make like, I mean... Madden, like, 06 for the GameCube, which is probably, like, the second most rudimentary, like, console 
of like our modern video gaming, you can't tell me that they can put features on a game like that, like the superstar mode where they factor in your IQ test and you have to do interviews and like you can have the option of your apartment set up and like you can you can shoot movies and do commercials and stuff. And like it's a lot of like text based part, but it's not like you know you're actually shooting the commercial. But right. you can't tell me that those features that were made for the GameCube, like I said, they're probably the second lowest level of the game they made because they made it, you know, they made it for like Game Boy and Nintendo DS. But for like the lowest level of the consoles, they had all these features. And now we have PlayStation 5s and Xbox Series X or whatever, where it's legitimate, like super processors playing in 4K and all that stuff, but you can't. You can't put a couple extra animations in them and stuff. Right. I, I don't know. That's that's my old man shaking fist in a cloud rant of the day. Just Madden sucks as a whole. I guess <laughs> this game this game is fun. I I this is probably the most fun I've had playing Madden. I didn't buy last year's. I won a copy the year before. Two years ago. So I've I've been kind of I used to be I used to be the guy that would buy it on release day every year, mm-hmm. and I think I haven't done that since twenty. I was in college, I think maybe probably twenty sixteen, but and I've I think I've gone every other year since then. There really hasn't been a great worthy game since said probably 2011 right i agree i mean they even like i remember they had like the the rewind option like when you're playing like against the computer or whatever playing on franchise you could get like you set it to unlimited or you could do like three a game where something happens like you throw an interception or whatever you can hit square and like you have a certain amount of time to do so but you can hit square and like redo the play and hopefully not throw an interception like stuff like that was like it was just all these, they had so many good features. All the Madden moments and that kind of stuff too, from right. like before you could do and or a long time ago. I mean, and for what it's worth, I'll, again, here's my my old man shaking fist at a cloud moment. EA Sports has, and actually a lot of the sports games have done this, but I think EA Sports is the most prominent. The whole Madden Ultimate Team thing, like where you get cards of players and then like that's like you make up your roster that way mm-hmm. i think it's like the mo- the dumbest concept for like uh an online or anything really i i can't i think it's a dumb concept i really do why i don't find it enjoyable like i because you like you only get like players for like six games or whatever and then you either like there's because of all the the world of video games and in gaming as a whole has gone to microtransactions or whatever. You can like you can buy extensions for these guys. You can buy other cards and buy like diamond packs. Like it's just I think it's really gotten rid of. And Madden's like such a big proponent of like the world of microtransactions, in in our in gaming. That just it makes it hard to actually like. There's no sense in playing it. Like you if you play. Like the franchise mode or whatever. If you play them, like they do have like a superstar mode in this one. Or if you play some of the mini games, which they brought back for like the franchise mode, there's no like you remember how like 
Madden 06 or whatever they had the Madden cards. Like, they always had this concept. And it got you, like, in-game bonuses with the players or whatever. I like that a lot better because at least, like, you're earning it. And, like, you're earning Madden points or whatever they call Madden bucks, whatever they call them back then. Like, you earn them, and then you can buy packs or whatever. And I'm sure... I'm sure that's a component of it, but it just it doesn't it doesn't feel that same way. Like I said, it's just it's so money based now, where it's not as enjoyable. And then again, like I said, you you because they've made it into a game itself with those cards that you would get from that. It's I don't know. So I just I, if I'm gonna play somebody online, I prefer to play like again like. Take give me an NFL roster. I'll play as the Packers, or the Jets, or the Patriots, whoever. You pick your team. Like I don't want to play as the Packers and have, you know, my quarterback is Baker Mayfield. My receiver is, uh, I don't know. You're right. picking. I got you. It's not my style. I, I'm sure a lot of people enjoy it. I've tried it. Not my thing. Yeah, like you said, it's all just money-based, and whoever's got the most money is going to have the best team. Right. Pretty much it is. So, that's my Madden rant, by the way. Like I said, very it's, it's a fun game. Working on it. I'd even love, you know, I, I've kind of, I've thought about possibly, like, expanding into the world of, of like, Twitch for our programming here with the Wisconsin brand, but... I uh, I came to a very quick realization that I am not ready for that world because I am not going to lose games like how I did yesterday on a live broadcast. Why not? It'd make for good content. I think because it got to the point, like, I think the guy was expecting me to rage quit and I just, I wasn't going to give him that satisfaction. <laughs> like, I wasn't even mad anymore. It was just like, uh, okay, whatever. I think because I think I was a Packers at that game. Um, I was playing against, like I said, I was playing against the Browns. And I think Jordan Love threw for like eight interceptions every route. And I, like I said, I don't, I don't know what happened after that pause. I'm, I'm not saying that that was the case. I think maybe he just switched to like a player lock option and just read somehow like read my eyes better. I, I don't know. But yep. he knew the tendency. He knew the tendencies that were coming. All my pass plays, like I said, he he knew the primary receiver and the one who was probably going to be out. But and he covered it solo. And I swear to God, the defenders never dropped a pass. Like it was it was nothing short of miraculous. <laughs> like the defenders could not drop the ball. Like yep. no, they didn't bat the ball down. They didn't swat it. They didn't, you know, no pass breakups. It was just. Pick, 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 pick. This is bullshit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, so into the world of real sports. Instead of the video game talk. Uh, in the world of real sports, let's start with the red-hot Milwaukee Brewers. As mentioned earlier, nine straight wins. Um, getting to the point, Sean, where... I mean, the offense has gone from, I believe, second to last in runs scored per game, or pretty close to last, to 18th in all baseball, which isn't, it's still not a great place to be, but it could be worse. And I think it really stands to the point of, since the trade deadline, I believe, they've gone up like a run and a half per game. 
Um, over this current win streak, I believe they're scoring. Let's see, they scored ten on Sunday. Fifty-eight plus another six last night. I believe if my math comes out correct, they've scored like sixty some odd runs. Um, sixty-four runs, I think, over the nine games. Nice. I think is the number. Maybe I might be wrong on that, but it's around that. Which again, like I said, just it's it's really incredible and points to, first of all, the trade acquisition acquisitions of um, Mark Canna, who's been an on base machine, and Carlos Santana, who's been red hot power wise and also on base almost as much. I believe he has an eight or nine game hit streak now. Um, Christian Yelich had been kind of quiet during this this run until last night's game. Uh, he goes, I think, two for four or two for five, including a leadoff home run. Uh, it, it's really just been, like I said, a lot of fun. Uh, the Cubs have kept winning, too, until like I said, the Brewers are actually playing the Cubs as we speak. Brewers took game one last night. But it's been a lot of fun to watch the Brewers in this, this time. And you could see that this team, I mean, first of all, the, the NL Central is – going to be fun for the next month right but also just talk about the the potential of getting in the playoffs yes they'd be the third team just because of how how great the dodgers and braves have been so they'd have to play the opening round series but you have a best of three series and a quote-unquote wild card i believe it would be against the sixth team yeah it'd be three and six and four and five um, so you'd play the sixth seed team, which I believe right now would be getting it pulled up. Um, if the season ended today, which there's a lot of baseball to be played yet, but if it ended today, that team that's in sixth for the wild card would be the Arizona Diamondbacks. You get the Brewers and Diamondbacks in a three games or best of three set with. Freddie Peralta pitching better than almost anybody in baseball. Brandon Woodruff has pitched better than anybody in baseball. And you still have Corbin Burns, who struggled in his last time out, but has been rock solid most of the season, especially right. since May. Has been one of the best pitchers in baseball once again. I, I, mean, I think they're the team that you don't want to face because of their rotation. Well, their bullpen for that matter, too. I mean, you get... Right. You get... Uh, Devin Williams closing games that has been nothing short of electric once again all year. Um, we said when we went to the Brewer game Saturday, we sat in the club section on the first base end, so like 300 level, and we were pretty far down the first baseline. I think there was we were in section 313, which is in the outfield boxes, and you can see it, it's amazing how from the side and from as far away as we were. But you can still see that crazy break action on that changeup. Right. Like, and again, this isn't an end all be all. Like, I'm going to go back to video games here for just a second, but to the point where MLB The Show, which I think is one of the standards of sports simulation games, it's that, and like 2K is incredible too. But to the point where they've had to actually change that pitch to make it work within physics from a changeup to a screwball. Right. And you can see that from 
hundreds of feet away, however high, you know, 30, 20, 30 feet high off the field, hundreds of feet away. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Um, and the bullpen has been, you know, we talked about how, like, lights out they had been all year. Um, and, and in the long run, they still kind of are. You know, I'm not going to take away from them. They have hit some struggles, but, you know, struggles for this bullpen right now is giving up a run every third or fourth appearance uh, with Yoel Piamps, with uh, who's been awesome. I mean, was an all-star snub at the at the break. Um, you look at Elvis Poguero, and now even uh, Trevor Me- Trevor Miguel. Megal, um, yeah, him and Gil, Gil, something like yeah. that. Who's who's come on in a lot of these lower leverage settings, but has also been getting some higher leverage appearances. Uh, you look at Abner Uribe, the rookie who throws 101. I uh, saw a graphic on Friday night, Sean. This is incredible. Since 20, I think it was since 2016 or maybe 20. It might even be 2018. Abner Uribe in his rookie season has thrown more pitches for 100 plus miles per hour than anybody else in the Brewers in that time frame. And it's not even close, like double. Great. Like he's got, this... as of Friday, he had 60 some odd pitches. I think he's in the 70s now. Because he threw the hardest pitch for in Brewers history the other night, too, didn't he? I believe so. It was like 103. Yes. I, actually, I think he did that in his debut. Oh, in his debut. Uh, but he's consistent. Like, Friday night, he hit 102 on a strikeout. He's got this wild... I don't know if it's technically a sinker or if it's more like a two-seam, but it's some fastball with movement. Um, and it breaks in towards, like, a right-handed batter because he's a right-handed pitcher. So it breaks in, so it's not like a splitter where it would break out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he's throws this fastball with such movement... And he, when he throws it, I mean, like I said, he, and so it's like, it's like smooth. It's not like it's strenuous for him. You know right. what I mean? Um, but so he had like 60 something, I think it's probably like I said, upwards of 70 now, including his appearance Friday. He had an appearance on Sunday, which did not go great for him, but you have those every once in a while. Um, so I think he's up to 70. I think Trevor Miguel has the like the second, I think it's upwards of 30. And then it's like a bunch of like three, four, two, one, 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 one. Um, I think Josh Hader had like maybe 10. I don't remember the graphic um, like spot by spot. Brandon Woodruff had one. So that was yeah. Cool. But it just heat, you know, so so do you, so do you think you could hit a hundred mile an hour fastball? Hit it far or hit it at all? Hit it at all. How many do I get? Like how many chances? Like am I out of ten? Just once? Out of, out of ten. Out of ten. I wanna say like maybe I could have coming out of high school when I was playing baseball every day. Mm-hmm. I would like to say I would have a shot at it, like stick the bat out and anticipate and get like a full ball. 
That wouldn't count, though. Oh, I had to put it in play? In play. I mean, we're not talking like a base hit. We're talking about just putting it in fair territory. Yeah. And bunts don't count. Because you're going to try to... Bunts, I don't bunt. No. Um, like I said, I think I, I, think I would have had a shot at it. I'm not saying I could have. My best shot at it, like I said, would have probably been going on 10 years ago when I was a high school senior. I don't think I could do it now. You you realize, like, the fastest that you've seen was, like, 70, 75, maybe The 80. fastest I saw was, like, 82. Yeah. And you so, throw another... I know, I know you're throwing 18 or 20 miles an hour on that. I'm just saying, I think... I think I could stick the bat out and, like, hit a dribbler back to the pitcher. There's no way. I think no. I would have had a shot at it. Like I guess I couldn't do it now. I'll I'll fully admit... I could not do it now. I think I might have had a shot at it 10 years ago. It wouldn't have been good. That Of that 10, it would have probably been like 8 swing and miss before it, or like after it hits the catcher's glove. I would have been so late on it. But I think on like pitch number 9, I could have choked up and like not bunted, but like a swinging bunt of some bullshit, like I said. But I, I, I probably couldn't have. I think my best shot would have been 10 years ago. No. There's no way you could have. Do you think you could have? No. I know I couldn't have. <laughs> Not even out of 100 times you think you could do it. Maybe, but probably not. I think out of 100 I could get one. I think you could I, get one hit or one... I think I could put... One in play. Well, okay. I would say, yeah, maybe one in play, but there's no way it's going to be a hit. Out of 100, you're still not, not getting fat it. ass running. Wow. <laughs> That's why if you I had the, if I If I had, like, normal speed, yeah, maybe. Probably not, but... Yeah, there's there's no chance I could now. I, I'll first, I don't know if I could do it now out of 100. No. No way. I'd be lucky to hit like a like a. I mean, I could probably hit a seventy right now, like a high school fastball. I could hit that, but it would be a lot harder than I want it to be, and I'm not thrilled about that. And then if you threw the gut like a whole repertoire in there, if you had a curveball and a changeup, oh, yeah, there's there's no zero head. chance where you didn't know what was coming. Yeah, no, like this is. This is me assuming, like, for the conversation, that's where I know it's a fastball. And at that speed, it's probably going to be a little bit more up. Just because that's how physics works. Right. But if I have to sit here and, like, if I'm facing, like, primetime Pedro, where it could be, you know, a heater, he could hit that changeup, you know, he could hit some bullshit on me. Or Devin Williams with that changeup, then come back and hit 96, 97. On this fastball, there's zero fucking chance. Oh. The the fact that humans can hit a baseball at all is nothing short of a middle finger to physics. It it right. should not happen. Like I, you know how like in the 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 bee movie they talk about how bees shouldn't be able to fly based on the size of their bodies and the the wings or whatever, or like the the weight of their bodies. 
you know, you can figure out like if you get enough like momentum, like you can you can actually physics explain it. Like it makes sense. Baseball is even more than that. Like, right. like just even like remember when we we went to that Timberwolves game on my birthday, and Brewers stopped pitching for us when Jacob Mizrowski pitched. The dude was going from ninety nine to like eighty four on his his breaking stuff. That's that fifteen mile an hour difference where there is no shot. It, like, how do you hit that? Even like the best in the game, how do you adjust that? Aside, like I said, aside from like choking up and just hoping it falls somewhere, or or you're just sitting on it, sitting on a soft. That that's about it. You're sitting on soft, and you, if, if you, you get throws, blown by in three fastballs, you get blown by in three fastballs. Right, pretty much. I think I think that's what it's what it's coming to now. Yeah, it's it's wild. I like I said, it makes no sense. But just looping this back to the Brewers, uh, Brewers currently losing one zero right now. Bottom second, two outs. Gordon Burns on the bump, two and two count. Comes set, line kick of the pitch, and ground ball to third. Monasterio throws over to first, gets Jan Gomes to retire at the side. Uh, it'll be top of the order for the Brewers. Yelich, Contreras, Canna coming up in the top of the third. Um, so that is our Milwaukee Brewers discussion. Uh, like I said, I, I mean, I'll, I'll double down. Uh, as of recording right now, it's scoreboard watching time, Sean. And this is like my favorite time of baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily for the Brewers right now, they're playing the Cubs. So like you know what second place is doing. Brewers have a five-game lead. They are a season-high um, 17 games above 500. So that's, I mean, they are seven wins away from a 500 record, eight from a winning season, um, which, you know, we really take for granted right now. I mean, the Brewers have, for most of, well, not most of our life, I'd probably say for a lot of our lifetime, have been competitive. Um, Really probably going back to 07, 08, and... Over the weekend, I, I, I know I said we were kind of wrapping up Brewers stuff, but I do have, I do want to talk about this. Over the weekend, uh, the Brewers honored both Cesar Sabathia and Ben Sheets. And you look back to that 08 season, Brewers' first playoff appearance since the 82 World Series year, which had been 26 years at that point, which is like my brother's lifetime plus one, plus right. another full year. I can't even say my lifetime anymore because I'm older than that now, but you basically throw it to my lifetime where the Brewers had no, not even a winning season in that time frame. Mm-hmm. I think they had their first sub-500, or I think in 2007 they went 81-81, and, and that was their first non-losing season in that time frame too. Maybe since I think maybe they had a couple at the end of the 80s, I'd have to look at that a little further, but just how long they had gone without even winning seasons, let alone making the playoffs. And then you go 26 years, he says, Bathy, you trade for him at the end of June. You remember who you got traded for? Uh, Matt Laporta. Right. And I believe Ben Gamble, or Matt Gamble was in that trade as well. Um, Matt Laporta was the big piece that didn't end up, I don't think he even made the majors. If he did, it was very short. 
I don't think um, he ever did. But yeah, he got traded for Matt Laporta. And it was really, I mean, you look at the culmination of what the Brewers had done, really since Adonazio, even before Adonazio bought them in like 04 or 05, but you look at drafting Prince Fielder, drafting Ryan Braun, Ricky Weiss, J.J. Hardy, Corey Hart, and all these guys uh, growing up, kind of really growing up in, in front of the fans. Um making the majors and producing at a high level, Ricky Weeks, um, getting a couple of guys here and there, like Jason Kendall was the catcher that season, getting CeCe Sabathia, having Ben Sheets, who had been a homegrown talent, come up. Um, Giovanni Gallardo was just kind of breaking into his own at that time. Um, and how big of a, like that changed the Brewers' culture to I mean, really what it is now where you are expected to win every year, at least when the NL Central have a winning record. The Brewers, since that trade, I believe, I saw the graphic where since that trade in 08, they have like one of the top five win percentages in all baseball, where I think to that point from their existence to 2008, they had been... Um, I believe it was like 27th or 25th or something like that. And now they're in the, te- I think, third in wins since then. And you look at, I mean, there's even, you know, like last year, you don't make the playoffs, but you still have a winning record. And like that's, again, that's be- kind of become the expectation, which you don't see in small markets. I mean, you look at how drastically. Kansas City has fallen off since that World Series back in 2015. Yeah, you look but, at, yeah. I mean, like even the big market teams where like Chicago has to sell every you know handful of years and go through like a year of futility, and with the Yankees are going to have probably a losing season, and the Cardinals right now are almost 20 games under 500. But you just don't see that from a small market. The second smallest market, a third smallest market, I think, in all pro sports in the USA. Green Bay is the smallest, and I believe Las Vegas is second smallest. Yeah, because was it Oakland before or? No, Oakland, I think, was a like top 10 in terms of like. Oh, really? Per, per capita and all that stuff. But Las Vegas is like. I think just bigger than or just smaller than Milwaukee. I think it would become the smallest market in baseball. Gotcha. I mean, obviously there's enough, there's enough like I mean, there's so much money in Vegas where it's not going right. to feel like the smallest market if right. if slash when the A's do move. But or the or the Brewers. That's all BS, Sean. You you know that. We'll see. Um. But like I said, so you look at how that has established it, even where the Brewers are now, um, contending for another division title. If if not a you know you, you obviously you hope it's better than this, but if not a wild card, um, in this last month of the season, and it really starts in '08. Mm-hmm. And it's with that one trade. One trade. That's that's exactly what it, it was. One trade. 
and you sold the farm for a guy who was on your team for three months. Yep. But the culture of winning and coaches always say like you have to learn to win. And you had Ryan Braun who stayed around for forever at that point. Um, who was just coming just coming into that prime. And you had Prince Fielder who was probably in his prime or just shy of it, just starting his prime. You had J.J. Hardy before his prime. I mean, you end up trading him when he goes to Minnesota and then Baltimore and becomes an all-star. But you had Ben Sheets who had, like, I mean, even in those crappy years of futility, was one of the few saving graces of Brewers fans. I mean, you look like the 18 strikeout game and, and the gold medal in, in Australia in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And just like I said, just wild. What all, like how that all coincides with this greatness that's lasted fifteen years. Um, and now, like I said, Brewers are looking. They're in scoreboard chasing time. It's magic number calculating and a lot more math. I think the magic number as of tonight is twenty-seven to clinch the division, which. If you had asked me about the magic number stuff back in like June or May, I would have been. If you were told me it's down at twenty seven before September first, that's awesome. Right. We have a great month of baseball coming up here yet. Yeah, should should be fun for everybody, any fan of any team that's in it right now. Oh, absolutely. So, sticking in the world. Go ahead. This is where baseball gets fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, sticking in the world of baseball, uh, Tim Rattler's playing for their season right now uh, as the they come down the stretch, playing for that second playoff spot in the Midwest League, uh, Midwest Division. Uh, Cedar Rapids was the first half champ, and actually he's continued to dominate the second half as well. Uh, Timber Rattlers chasing Peoria right now. Uh, they have a five-game lead on the Timber Rattlers and, in the second half. Timber Rattlers up right now on, I believe they're playing Beloit 4 nothing. I mean, we went last week. They ended up actually losing that game last Did? Thursday. Uh, had the early 2-0 lead, but when we had gone, um, very young team, a lot of a lot of the you know the younger prospects, a lot of fun to watch down there right now. But um, time kind of running out on them right now. Yep. Uh, so they have four games. They're the magic number for Peoria is down to four. So there is still a window. Uh, Beloit's literally also playing for their playoff life. Their elimination number is two, which I believe Peoria is playing right now. Um, so if Beloit were to lose tonight to the Timber Rattlers, which that game, like I said, it's 4 nothing, top of the fifth. In Beloit, uh, Peoria is up 3 nothing on Quad Cities in the top of the sixth. So Beloit possibly could be eliminated tonight yet. Uh, Timber Rattlers are going to need some help as well. 
I don't believe that they have a head-to-head series. I believe the Tim Rattlers will finish the regular season here. They'll have Beloit this week. Um, and then they will finish up the season starting next Tuesday with a six-game set against Cedar Rapids, which is the last team that you probably want to be seeing right now if you're talking about being on an elimination uh, path. But right, you, unless, unless they're going to sit their, their starters for some reason. Right, which would make no sense for minor league baseball chasing a high A division champ or high league champion, high A league championship. But right, makes absolutely no sense. But there's been stupider things. That is accurate. I will not disagree with you on that. Um, Peoria, I'm just out of curiosity. I wonder who their last. Uh, I don't feel like looking that far. Um, but so the. Tim Rowler is still playing. Uh, like I said, they'll have one more homestand starting next Tuesday. And that'll be against Cedar Rapids, Cedar Rapids Colonels, uh, which is the high A affiliate of the, I believe that's the Minnesota Twins. Just want to double check on that. Of course, as I say this now, it's not going to load, but. Of course not. Why would it? I mean, I, I think I've seen them enough where. Uh, yes, Minnesota, um, where I should have that more down pat because it seems like every home stand has been against Cedar Rapids. I know that's not the case, but it feels like it. Right. So, Tim Rattlers still have one more home stand. If you haven't gotten out to see them, by all means, get to Fox City Stadium, Neuroscience Group Field. Check them out. Say hi to Danny in the parking lot. He's in our TikTok video that's on Facebook, on Instagram. And, of course, on TikTok. Um, say hi to Danny. Say hi to the fan assistants and the wonderful staff at the Wisconsin Tim Rattlers. Yep. Uh, with that, Sean, we go into the world of football. And college football, uh, I know that we kind of said that we would do a little bit deeper look at the Badgers this week. Um, a week out or less than a week out for the Badgers, they get their season underway. Game-wise, this coming Saturday, regular season kicks off hosting Buffalo, the Buffalo Bulls. Kick off for that one, 2.30 on FS1. Badgers a 28-point favorite in the opener. Um, Badgers did release their depth chart. I believe that came out yesterday. Not a whole lot of surprises on it, but just kind of going through it. Um... Starting at the quarterback position, it was Tanner Mordecai who did keep that uh, number one job all throughout camp, which, again, we knew would more than likely be the case. So no surprise there. Uh, No surprise at the running back position as well, that being uh, Braylon Allen with Ches Malusi also going to get – he's going to get snaps. Is he Uh, he 17? What's that? Braylon Allen still 17, or did we? <laughs> um, I believe he will be. I think he's 19 now. Ah, uh, okay. Thought he thought he was just that 17 year old running back we had. Yeah. Um. Also, uh, the receivers, the starting receivers. Kind of fun that this group is seven deep that will be playing in significant snaps. 
Uh, you look at Oklahoma State transfer Bryson Green, Jamiri DK, who's been in-house, Will Pauling, who's been in-house, um, Keontas Lewis, Skylar Bell, all these guys who've been in the program already who weren't, quote-unquote, you know, part of the this air raid offense, but are now. And then you look at the USC transfer, C.J. Williams coming in as well. And then also Vinny Allen, um, who came over from Cincinnati as well. And Vinny Anthony, excuse me, uh, coming over. Actually, he registered last year, so he was not part of the Cincinnati uh, squad that came over. But just all in all, I mean, it's going to be a fun time for the Badgers. And... The only, I, like I said, there's not really any concerns. Uh, there's a couple injuries here and there. Um, Mike Tressel, I believe, I'm going to say that. I think that's a brother of former Ohio State coach Jim Tressel, or a son. I don't know, one of the two. Um, is the defensive coordinator. The defense will be tested, but is a good group. So, really, all in all, I mean, lots of fun football happening coming up in Madison this weekend as the season starts. Um, do I, do you, I mean, I don't think the Badgers are college football worthy to play off this year, but I could see them making a run for it. Think they'll be in the Big Ten Championship? Betting wise, the odds would say that they should win the West. The odds right now, I believe, have them as the West favorite. I believe that still puts them at like second or third in the actual conference to win. Um, obviously, Ohio State and Michigan haven't gone anywhere. Right. Um, and that's kind of going to be the top dog right now. But looking at this Big Ten, I mean, you look at a a solid, if not insignificant, kind of group at the top. I mean, it's it's going to be Ohio State and Michigan's to lose. And then there's kind of a group of Wisconsin. Iowa's always good. Um, Illinois was on the rise last year. Nebraska says they're always going to be good. You know, Um Minnesota's always with PJ Fleck is kind of always you can't count them out. Um, I believe for the rankings right now there are I want to say five Big Ten teams in the top twenty-five. Let me just double check on that. Obviously, I know that uh, Michigan's going to be up there. Ohio State's going to be up there. Hoping that this pulls up in a decent amount of time. Um, Gotta so, get better internet. I have great internet. That's just I don't know what's going on tonight. <laughs> but as we speak, uh, like I said NCAA football, the rankings. Michigan comes in this week at two in the AP top twenty-five. Ohio State at three. Uh, future Big Ten team USC at six. Penn State's at seven. So technically, three of the top ten. Will be four come this time next year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Oregon would be at 15 currently. Badgers at 19. 
And Iowa's at 25. So four top 25 teams right now. Or five. That is five. Five, yeah. <clears throat> I was right the first time. I always forget about Penn State. Yeah. It, it makes no sense how, I mean, they're in that same upper echelon. And unfortunately for them, I believe they're also in the East. Yep. So they don't they don't get that same love that um, that the Badgers do. That the what Michigan or Ohio State will. You look at the Big Ten right now. I mean, you've got the East right now is Indiana, Maryland, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Rutgers. The West: Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Northwestern, Purdue, Wisconsin. And where's USC and or UCLA going to get put? I believe they're going to restructure everything. Oh, they are. Okay. Um, I have no idea how they're going to. Because it'll be USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, which, by the way, Oregon 15, Washington checks in here at 10. So you throw the future Big Ten teams in there. That's, I think, all four. Except, or three. Three of the four, not because UCLA is not in here, are all top 25 ranked right now. So we're going to be the SEC North. Got it. Yeah, kind of. And technically, UCLA, was a re- they received votes. Um, so if you buy them in a ranked order of how they received votes, uh, UCLA would be 27th or, or 28th, excuse me. So they're they're knocking on the door. Um, Illinois a little further down. They're also and Minnesota for that matter also receiving some votes, not many, but some. Just trying to make sure I didn't miss anybody in here. No, we're good. Uh, so just just uh, UCLA, Minnesota, Illinois in the receiving votes category, um, and then the coaches poll. I believe would be the same, pretty much. Iowa, uh, Texas A&M gets a nod over Iowa, actually in the coaches poll. So depending on which one you're looking at, but um, Badgers at 21 in the coaches poll, at 19 and like I said, a 28 point favorite over the Buffalo Bulls, uh, former stomping grounds of former Whitewater coach Lance Leipold, as he is now at Kansas. Over or under? Ooh. Um, that's tough. I'd say over. I I would take the Badgers to cover that twenty eight. First game at home, all the excitement. Um, just trying to look at some of the other things here. Over under fifty four points. I'd probably if you're gonna win by twenty eight. You probably gotta score. What would it be like forty two to like forty two to ten game, maybe fourteen something. So that'd be that'd still be the under the fifty four. I know it's easy to say bet under on Wisconsin, but I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. So I I I'd still probably cautiously take the under, just because I don't know if Wisconsin is going to score enough points to make up for the points Buffalo won't score this week, or shouldn't score this week. But I'll take the under. But I think Wisconsin covers the twenty eight. I don't think they cover the 28. So I'm guessing you're going to... What would you take over under 54 combined points? Under. So under Buffalo under. covers and 
the under are 54. Yep. A little bit of a, what do you, th- what kind of score are you thinking? Mm, 30, 35, 14, something like that. Ooh, that's a real close game. Not really. I mean, it's a 21 point, that's a three possession game, but. I, I think it's going to be like 35, seven in the fourth quarter and they're going to get a, like a garbage touchdown. Okay. This is what, what I'm expecting. Because I don't think Badgers are going to show everything this week, so I don't expect them to score 42 points. 40, you mean they're not going to put everything on tape before they've got Washington State and Georgia Southern? Right. <laughs> right. Um, just real quick before we go in the NFL, um, some top games from the top 25 this week in... I know we call it, everyone calls it week zero, so technically it's week one this coming week, but ESPN calls it week two. Um, so some of the top games coming up here in the top 25, just taking to see if we have any other ranked games. Um, Michigan takes on East Carolina. Michigan's a 36-point favorite. Tennessee versus Virginia, 28 points for Tennessee. Uh, do we have any top 25 versus top 25? Does not look like it. I think this might be the first time. Oh, we do have one. Sunday, September 3rd, the only top 25 matchup. LSU, Florida State, five versus eight. LSU's a two and a half point favor. That game in the Camping World kickoff on ABC on Sunday night. But a lot of, a lot of, um, Non, a lot of if you play the old NCAA games, they call them cupcake games. But right, I'm not going to be the one to diminish it like that. But what they would be called, but only one top twenty-five matchup against each other. That seems about right, though. Usually, there's a couple, and I think on paper maybe there might have been a couple more, like um. Actually, looking at this, I don't really believe that either. I mean, there's one North Carolina, South Carolina. Uh, North Carolina is only a two and a half point favorite. Everything else, I mean, that you're looking at like Alabama versus Middle Tennessee. Uh, Alabama's a 39 point favorite in that one. Uh, Georgia's playing UT Martin. There's not even odds out on that one yet. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough day for some of these schools. Oh yeah, I mean they'll take their they'll take the paycheck and call it a I'll call it a week. Great. All right, Sean. So that is our look at college football right now. Uh, I'm assuming you're probably going to pick Georgia to repeat for the three peat, or do you think we're going to have a new national champion? Yeah, probably. I'll take Georgia. I'll take the field, but I, I think Georgia's probably going to be. So so you. So what would be the field? Would be everybody else. (laughs) I don't know. The only thing that scares me is the new quarterback. Yeah. But that's about it. All right. So, Sean, looking at the Packers, um, did play, got a second preseason win over the weekend over the Seattle Seahawks. only three possessions for the starter on the offense. I believe the defense only played a handful as well. 
Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot to talk about there. I mean, I don't. I think most of the decision making was pretty much already done by that point. I know the coaches will say that it wasn't, but right. when you look at how the roster breakdown and you know we'll kind of talk about it through here in a little bit, but um, not a whole lot of surprises. I think it was nice to see Jordan Love actually connect with Christian Watson on a touchdown. They had that back shoulder uh, play in the goal in the red zone. Yep. So that was that's always good to see. Um, beyond that, I mean, once again, Love kind of looked the part. He had a couple slower starts on the offensive end, but um, nothing, I guess, too concerning. I think it's it's just kind of time to see what the regular season brings when we play Chicago in twelve days. Because have we seen Aaron Jones at all? Um, he had one carry in the Cincinnati game. But that's been about I it. I believe he's... I, I know he didn't suit up this week for yep. gameplay. I do not recall. I don't believe... For whatever reason, I think he might have had one or two carries last week against New England. But it wasn't much, if any, other than maybe... Like I said, it might have just been the one... The one catch, actually. It wasn't even a carry. The one catch against Cincinnati. Okay. Um not worried about him but let's let's go through this to so the Packers after the three preseason games they did have their starting uh their starting 53 man initial roster came out today um a couple surprises here um uh, and kind of going through it so starting at the quarterback position nothing really shocking uh Jordan Love obviously QB1 Sean Clifford had one the QB2 job going into last week. Um, I believe the pa- the Packers did release Alex Magoo, which... Yeah, so disappointing. I, I feel bad for him, because I don't think he really got a fair shake at the two job, at least in the games. Um, right. I guess, you know, the Packers saw enough in practice maybe to give Clifford the nod. Uh, that and they, I think they think they may have a better odds of keeping Magoo on a practice squad spot versus maybe if they would go with three on the 53-man or, you know, whatever, but also with that three-man quarter or that three-quarterback rule where they can store the practice squad quarterback as a count as one of the call-ups or whatever. I think that's kind of the line of thinking there. Mm-hmm. Um, Patriots also kind of pulled some sneaky roster shit today. I don't know if you saw this, but... The Patriots, as of right now, after initial roster, have one quarterback. They have Mac Jones. They cut both Bailey Zappi and uh, Malik Cunningham. Hmm. So one quarterback on the roster for the Patriots. To be determined what they end up doing with that. But as of right now, only one quarterback there. So, um, Didn't they have a receiver that was that That was the Malik Cunningham. He was a receiver oh, slash quarterback. Okay. But uh, so the Packers do cut Alex Magoo there. Uh, looking at the running back room, this is the first surprise. They kept three. Mm-hmm. And obviously, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones were going to get the jobs, but enough of a win over for Emmanuel Wilson to get that third running back spot, which was not expected by most pundits, myself included. I, th- I, mean, I thought he had a very good camp. He played very well in the preseason games, but I just figured that the Packers would kind of do what they always do. They either store Patrick Taylor and or Tyler Goodson, on a practice squad spot, call them up as needed with those practice squad call-ups. 
and kind of go from there. But Emmanuel Wilson gets the nod, did enough to earn the job. And, you know, I said a few moments ago that a lot of the jobs were determined uh, probably prior to the first snap of Packers Seahawks on Sunday or on Saturday. Mm -hmm. But I think there was one crucial moment that I didn't see even until today. I was kind of watching the game back. I DVR the game, but didn't see it on film initially. The big concern with Emmanuel Wilson that he wasn't as good in pass pro as Patrick Taylor was. But there's a clip of him stepping up in the pocket and picking up a blitzing linebacker and just manhandling him. And granted, it was the number two. It was the two's defense for Seattle, so it wasn't like, you know, wasn't like he was facing Bobby Wagner or anything like that, but still, I mean, he still, he got the job done. He stepped up and was able to stay with the block. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, that's kind of one of those sneaky plays that might end up being what got him on the initial 53. Um, right. So right there, right there solidifies the the 19, now 19 year streak of an undrafted free agent rookie Yep. Making the initial 53. Um, going down to the receiver room, so I'll just kind of real quick here. Uh, the waived running backs, they did waive Lewis Nichols and Tyler Goodson on injury settlements. That means I believe that they actually don't go through the waiver system. I, I don't really know how that works, but it's a little bit different than being outright released, like Patrick Taylor and Nate McCray were. Going to the receiver room, um, I wouldn't say necessarily a surprise, but they keep six. Watson, Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Malik Heath, another one of those undrafted free agent guys, the leading preseason receiver, uh, I believe, in the NFL. Samari Torrey and Romeo Dobbs. They released Jadakus Bonds, Drew, Dre Miller, Deuce Watts, Bo Melton, Corey Crest, and Grant DuBose. DuBose, a little bit of a shock in that he was a rookie draft pick this year. He still got beaten by Heath, so but, that's pretty much, pretty much what it was. And for the for what it's worth, I mean, he had a good camp. It's just mm-hmm. he was hurt to start it, and Lake Heath just beat him out for it. I mean, that's he Lake made, Heath he, just had a better camp. Right, he's made some plays. He's pretty much caught everything that's been thrown to him. Or that in being, his vicinity, I should say. That being the big surprise, um, the Packers did technically lump the tight end and fullback group together for their their 53-man roster. They keep three. Uh, Josiah DeGuara technically being the fullback slash tight end. Uh, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave all get kept. Um, Luke Musgrave is going to be an impact player on this year's team. I, I firmly believe that. Uh, Tucker Craft kind of going through some growing pains right now, but to be expected with an FCS level tight end. I mean, there's a pretty big adjustment, but Luke Musgrave looks the part in every single way of an NFL receiving tight end. Uh, So they did release fullback Henry Pearson, which not really a surprise. Um, I guess I was more surprised by keeping Austin Allen, who was one of the earlier cuts today. Um, I know that there was some talk of going after the Denver Broncos tight end that they released today, 
or they were planned to release, and that ended up kind of getting foiled by the Philadelphia Eagles, who ended up making a trade for him before he officially was released. Uh, so that deal doesn't end up getting done, and doesn't end up going through the waiver process. So Packers do miss out there. So I like I said, I was surprised by not keeping three true fight uh, tight ends plus Deguara, but I think they believe in Musgrave enough to kind of carry the load and tuck a craft enough to block while he kind of figures out the receiving job. Um, offensive line, they keep 11, which this is also kind of a surprise, just in the sense that I thought it was going to be 10. A lot of people thought it even could be 9, depending on contracts. Um, Zach Tom, no-brainer. Rashid Walker was pretty much no-brainer. David Bakhtiari, no-brainer. Royce Newman uh, was kind of the shock for me to keep him around. Uh, Josh Myers, obviously, he's going to be the starting center. Um, Caleb Jones, Yash Nijman, who some people out there were thinking that the Packers might move on from him just to save some cap room, and mm-hmm. that Bakhtiari might be healthier with the kind of limited schedule. And the fact that the Packers have basically five tackles between Walker, Tom, um, and the rest of the, you know, the, the cast and crew here, so... A little bit of a surprise, but also not really a surprise that they end up keeping him. Uh, Elton Jenkins, again, no-brainer. John Sean Ryan, not a surprise, but still there. Uh, John Runyon, starter, duh. And then uh, Luke Tenuta, who I was a little surprised to see. Uh, the 7 or the 6-8 tackle from Virginia Tech uh, in his second year. So not a huge surprise. 6-8-3-14, that's a big boy. Um. So keeping another tackle around is, I guess, makes sense. Uh, I would not be surprised, because I know Royce Newman had gotten hurt in that preseason finale. I would not be surprised if he ends up being an injured reserve spot by midday tomorrow. Uh, yeah. For the reason being that the Packers cut both their long, long snappers. Uh, yep. The expectation, just real, I'll jump to special teams before we go through the defense, but uh, they did keep Anders Carlson, who, to his credit, the guy's a gamer. He is mm-hmm. awful in practice, but he has been lights out at Lambeau, aside from the missed extra point this last weekend, which wasn't really his fault. It got blocked. Um, actually, Tucker Kraft missed a block, so really no no blame there. But uh, Danny, Daniel Whelan gets the starting punting job. A little bit of a shock. I thought Pat O'Donnell was probably one of the safer options, but if you can save a little bit of money and go a little bit younger on player control, it he makes sense. The heck of the ball, though. Right. I mean, he 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 might he might he needs to not outkick his coverage a little. Because sure. I was thinking he was outkicking it a few times when he was putting on. Was it Saturday? Saturday. So. But I like it, so we'll see what happens. So as much as the Packers did release Matt Orzek, but overwhelming belief is he's going to sign a new contract. Um, how the NFL breaks down on on injured reserve is if you do it today, it's for the full season. If you do it anytime after today, it's the four game, like the, they're able to be brought back. With that in mind, I'm a little surprised that they don't go put one of these, one of those, like if it would be Royce Newman for that matter. I don't think, you know, I don't know for sure it will be, but that's just my suspicion. 
because it's going to have to be somebody. Um, I don't know why you don't put him on the pup list unless you have to have that active roster spot reserved for that and then do it. But that's the way it's going to go. Uh, looking through the defense, not a lot of surprises defensively. There one we'll kind of go through here. So six defensive linemen. Um, TJ Slayton was a no-brainer. Carl Brooks was a no-brainer. Devontae White, Colby Wooden, Kenny Clark, Jonathan Ford, uh, with Jason Luan, Antonio Moultrie, and Chris Slayton all being released. Uh, nothing really shocking there. Uh, outside linebacker, they keep six. This was a little shocking. Uh, they do cut or keep Justin Hollins, who was kind of on that borderline, just... I, you know, everyone talking about the the youth movement coming through Green Bay. Uh, I believe there are three players over the age of 30. Hollins is one of them. Uh, Bakhtiari and Preston Smith are the other players over 30. Uh, Dallin Levitt, the only player at 29. So very young team. Um, so Justin Hollins or Sean Gary. Sean Gary not starting the season on the pup list, which we kind of knew. Uh did not play in the preseason finale, but did suit up, took place in part and drills. So I would be led to believe he'd be ready for week one, which is incredible. Uh, Brenton Cox, another one of the undrafted free agents who made a name, had a hell of a preseason, hell of a training camp. Um, again, keeps that 19-year streak going. Three undrafted rookie free agents this year. Uh, Lucas Vanessa, the number one pick, and then Preston Smith. Uh, looking at inside linebacker Quay Walker, Tariq Carpenter, Eric Wilson, Isaiah McDuffie, Devondre Campbell, uh, releasing Jimmy Phillips and Marvin Pierre. Looking at corner, only keeping four on the initial 53 men, which, again, kind of a surprise. Not really when you consider that Eric Stokes is on that uh, pup list to start the year. And with how it'll work out, he may end up not actually playing till week seven because of how the Packers schedule works out with the short week and week four, um, maybe come back for week five. It'd be kind of a stretch and you got your bye week at week six. So you can kind of make that four games really more like a seven if need be. Right. Um, Packers did cut a couple, not surprises in here, but uh, they do cut Elijah Hamilton, which was expected Shamar Jean Charles was kind of the shock, if you will. Um, William Hooper, Corey Ballantyne, who had shown very well early in camp, did get burned a few times here and there. Um, he will likely be back in some capacity, I'm assuming. Uh, assuming he doesn't get picked up, but I think he'll be, they're kind of betting on him to clear waivers and end up on the practice squad, be a game day call up at least, you know, maybe the first couple of weeks here while they're waiting for Eric Stokes. Uh, then going to safety, as mentioned, uh, Dallin Levitt, the special team specialist who, if he's playing defense, you're either in a, you're in a blowout one way or the other, or you're really screwed. But uh, special teams, Rick Passaccia guy, number six playing safety, uh, Rudy Ford, Dar- Darnell Savage, uh, Jonathan Owens and Anthony Johnson Jr. getting the, the last spot there at the safety position. Uh, Tavarius Moore placed on the, the season-long injured reserve. Uh, Benny Sapp third, and Ennis Gaines being released. 
I was hoping Benny Sapp was going to make the team. Yeah, I he did have the interception on yeah. to seal the game on Saturday. Um, I I think he had a hell of a preseason as well. He's kind of one of those guys that you know if something goes a little bit differently or maybe you you're kind of looking at him and like I said, him and Valentine is hoping he could sneak them through waivers and you know have them be a game day call up. A few times. Yeah. So, all in all, like I said, not, not a lot of surprises. You know, you have a couple here and there, but a pretty solid common sense cut day, if you ask me. Um, I would be led to believe that the Packers still going to be looking through that uh, that waiver wire the next 24 hours or so looking at tight end options. I find it hard to believe that they're only going to go into week one with two true tight ends and Deguara. It's possible, I guess. You know, I'm not going to rule it out. Right. You think, That's you the think they're rolling with the initial 53, but... Do you think Josh Nijman might get traded at all? If some some something goes on? In... I wouldn't put it past... I, you know, I think... That was kind of one of those where you keep him on now because you're not going to cut him and give him up for nothing. Right. But I think if you're Brian Gudikins, you're going to list a, you're at least going to listen to conversation. Oh, 100%. If someone falls between here, now and, well, really any time of the trade deadline, but between now and especially uh, week one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I listened to that phone call. Um, yeah, like I said, just overall a pretty solid looking roster. I'm I'm very excited for what week one's going to bring. Yep. It's gonna be a uh, fun season. One of my favorite I mean it's it's it sucks in the sense that I think, you know, cut day we, we talk about, you know, twi- it's it's fun day on Twitter in the sense that it's constant. But at the same time, like it does suck because there's a lot of guys who Unfortunately, today, some of their football careers end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, it's not, you know, a lot of guys, they do get practice squad or, um, you know, they get picked up in one way or another. Or they get a roster spot here. You know, they get cleared down waivers, whatever it ends up being. But there are going to be guys who played their last snap of football this weekend. And because of this process, you know, maybe... You know, there there is the arena football or the IFL. There's a couple other options out there, but it's it's gonna be a different game. So not not always the most fun day in that sense, but you know, you get for every every one of those, you also get an Emmanuel Wilson story or Brenton Cox story, Malik Heath, who like Emmanuel Wilson makes the fifty three after playing D two last year and Brenton Cox who got kicked out of Georgia and Florida gets that that last you know kind of the last chance with the talent and makes it work and kind of you hope that you have the the process in place to keep him on the up and up um I think Emmanuel Wilson's probably still the coolest story of, of this current roster with just mm-hmm. you know his father passed away going the D2 route and Really, I think was one of the leading rushers in the preseason, 
in part due to that 80 yard touchdown, but still, you know, it, it can't be ignored that really was consistent. All three games ran hard, ran with purpose, got a 53 man spot in an, in the team that he got picked up by. Like, I, you know, I think I said last week that we had talked about that. He's going to be on a 53 man somewhere. Did not know if it was going to be here, but mm-hmm. I'm very glad he is here. Right. So we can do predictions and whatnot for next week. Um, hopefully a fuller cast next week so we can go through our picks and and all that that goes with that and go through the weekly Secretary Shauna writing down all 16 games for the week. <laughs> uh, I'm really curious to see if this year maybe if we can get a 16-game clean sweep for a weekend. I doubt it. No, not going to happen. But it would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? It would be, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sean. Anything else you want to touch on Packers-wise, Badger-wise? No, I think you hit on pretty much everything. I love that for us. Good for us. Right. All right. Uh, we wrap up here with our bar of the week. And, Sean, I'm going to go a little further south on this one. Um, and that being, I had mentioned it earlier in the show, Silvermans of Milwaukee. Uh, the original Silvermans on St. Paul is in an original Schlitz Tavern. Uh, food is incredible. Um, we had we did a couple appetizers with our Bloody Marys. Uh, so first of all, I, I want to go through the Bloody Mary menu. Because there's a Bloody Mary menu and then there's a food menu. So the Bloody Marys, there's the basic Bloody Mary. There is, and it, it ranges from there, um, starting with the Bloody, like I said, starting with the, the Bloody Marys. The classic, uh, topped with signature Bloody Mary garnishes, celery, pickled Polish sausage, Colby Jack cheese, shrimp, lemon, grape tomato, Brussels sprout, pickled asparagus, and pickled mushroom. Uh, then it, it only gets more extravagant from there. So you ready for this? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Uh, starting with the Crown Mary, it's called. So all of the the traditional um, comes also with a cheeseburger slider and a skewer and a Corona. Uh, the Baconado, which uh, my brother brother-in-law to be Mitch had, uh, it's all of the traditional garlic garnishes, but instead of the sliders. Uh, this one comes with jalapeno bacon wrapped cheese balls. Then there's the bourbonado, which is bacon wrapped chicken slathered in a bourbon sauce, also available in buffalo sauce. Um, there was the cheese head, which comes with, I think, all those same uh, cheese, jalapeno cheese balls, um, and wrapped in bacon. There's the tailgater, I believe, was the one that I had, which is the cheeseburger slider and the traditional ones. Um, there's the Beast, which is a $50 one. And that one comes with all the originals, cheeseburger sliders, bacon wrapped cheese balls, and more. And then there's the Bloody Beast, which adds a whole fried chicken onto the Beast. So a $6 Bloody Mary, Sean. Interesting. Um, and then some of the appetizers, I mean, they've got soft pretzel. Really, I mean, pretty basic bar food. 
They've got cheese balls, jalapeno cheese balls, which are cheese curds, um, soft pretzels. Um, we had a sausage sampler, which comes with the pickle fries, which if you've never had pickle fries, as opposed to like, a, I mean, it's a, it's a, like a pickle spear fry. Um, and it comes with a few different types of sausages. Uh, they've got burgers, which all are incredible, have been featured on Man vs. Food. Uh, and uh, I believe it was also on another... There might have been another show that it was on as well. Yeah. Um, so Man vs. Food, so that means they got a eating challenge? or Oh, no, not Man vs. Food. Food Wars, sorry. Oh, Food Okay. Um, it was on Food Wars... And they call it the loser because it lost to the other burger that was on Food Wars that day. Um, Kobe Jack cheese, smoked bacon, buttery caramel onions on that one. But plenty of other sandwiches, chicken sandwiches, uh, ham, cheese, BLTs, fried fish, chicken wraps, etc. So that is our bar of the week. If you give them a Google, uh, 4.6 stars on Google and... I'm not going to do it right now, but a five-star review from yours, surely. Sweet. So that just leads us, Sean, here to what we are rooting for in the upcoming week. And I'll let you lead this one off. Um, I'm just going to go rooting for a nice three-day weekend here with Labor Day coming. Going to probably go to the Shawano County Fair, watch some races, and... Just kind of hang out, nice three-day weekend. It's going to be hot, but that's going to be, that's going to suck, but be what it'll be. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I believe that's the plan for us as well, a little racing action, dirt track racing. Also, Badger football getting back in there underway, as well as, you know, the high school teams getting underway. Uh, shout out to Justin and the Jill Tigers for a week one win in eight-man football. Big uh, win for the Gillette Tigers over Surring. I believe it was a 40... I want to say 42-14 win or something to that effect. Let me pull that up here so I get that correct for them and give them their proper due here. Uh, week one win for the Gillette Tiger team uh, for the varsity squad on Friday night was... Of course, it's not where I thought it would be. What would it be? 46-12. 46-12 win over Surrey. So, great way to start the season for Justin and the squad. Uh, still got to connect with him on getting the, the Back to the Roots show kind of underway for the football season, but that'll come. We'll put that on YouTube when we get to it. So, all in all, football's back. Damn near officially. Yep. And then we've got racing. We've got playoff style baseball almost mattering here uh 27 magic number for the brewers best time of the year 100 all right for shauna ramsey just not here this week and for sean who is i'm eric biggie signing off episode 124s in the books pay attention to the rupert wisconsin social media pages x tiktok instagram facebook X used to be Twitter. I can see you. You're looking at me. Uh, X, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Root for Wisconsin website. Pay attention. We've got content coming up. Whole bunch of stuff coming up as we get closer to the football season. I'm Eric. That's Sean. We're out. See ya. Yeah.